In part two of this episode, we continue to talk with Tim Weisberg about his experiences on Nick Roth's Ghost Stalkers and share some of his filming experiences that he's had. If you like our content, hit the like button and continue to support us. It helps our channel grow. Visit our sponsor, The Most Gifted Psychics. Call 866-228-2883 and mention code word Haunting Live to receive 10 minutes for just $10. 100% satisfaction guaranteed. I always call myself One Take Tim. And the, the producers think that's because I'm so professional and because like I, you know, very polished. And I, it's actually because I don't want to spend that much time doing things. So, uh, you know, when I write, I never write a rough draft. I just go right into the final. And that served me well in journalism. So when it comes to doing stuff in front of the camera, I just go in, I give them what they want. I don't think about it. You know, I mean, obviously I think about it. I think about my answers, but I don't, I don't second guess what I said and be like, can I say that again? Cause I think I could say it better. I just get in there and I do it. And people like that because time is money in that business. Yeah, it is for sure. And those people like yourself that have the experience, you work in radio every day. So you're used to either talking on the mic or um, interviewing people that, or in the field, or maybe not in the field, but you'll get the point across pretty quickly and know how to do it. So that's probably yeah. why they like you. Yeah. And there's nothing, there's nothing that will train you better for learning how to be concise than listening to talk radio callers. The people who call into my show every day and just want to ramble on and on. I'm like, uh, all right. Like that's when you realize, okay, I have a tendency to do that. And you, and you pick up little things. Like the one thing I would recommend to anybody that gets into this, if you're a podcaster, whatever it is you're doing, streaming, whatever, go back and listen to yourself. And listen to what your vocal crutches are so that when you say things like, you know, uh, um, you'll be more aware of that. And then you'll kind of work your way, work your way around it. And it took me a long time to be able to do that. I'm still not a hundred percent, but I'm a lot better than I was at first. Or better than somebody that's never done it before that gets thrown on the mic and they don't know what to do. So they want somebody like yourself that's used to that already. There's, I mean, sometimes it does work out where you have somebody on for the first time and you say, Hey, you want to be on the radio? Uh, what's your name? Well, my name is John Smith. And I, and I, oh, okay. Well, you've got that natural talent, but most people are more like, yes, yes, yes. Say something. Say, uh, yes. Yeah. They'll freeze right up sometimes if they don't know. So yeah, you gotta, you, you gotta worry about that. I always tell everybody, it's just you and me having a conversation. Yeah. Don't worry about all the other people that are listening. You also have done other shows. I've got a list of them here that I saw you were on, so I didn't know some of them. But let's go with Ghost Stalkers next. You were sort of mentoring Nick Groff, Nick Groff already, but uh, how did that one start? Yep, that was uh, you know Nick's idea. Nick and his cousin Justin, they came up with that idea. And with Ghost Stalkers, the idea behind that show was both John Tenney and Chad Lindbergh, who are the two hosts of the show, they had the two investigators. They had near, well, John actually died. John had a death experience. Uh, Chad had a near-death experience. And the two of them have always spent their lives kind of curious about what that means. Even as they've gone into the paranormal, as you know, you know, you're running around, you're talking to ghosts, that's interesting. But it doesn't always make you ponder your own mortality. And these guys were kind of obsessed with that side of things. So they were going out and they were doing investigations to try and show that this does show that there is something on the other side. And what I liked about that show is we went into it with the concept of, okay, ghosts are real. Like, let's not even worry about that. We all know that they're real. And the people who are watching this will believe that they're real because they're watching it because they've had experiences. So 
Let's go into it with that mindset right from the beginning. And now we can move the question forward. Now we can get past the, is it haunted? And we can get into the, why is it haunted? How is it haunted? And you can start to get the, to the next level research. And I, that's, I think that's what we did at a time when the viewing audience wasn't necessarily ready for it. And it was also on Destination America, which is a small network that very few people have. Uh, but you can watch it now on Amazon streaming and YouTube and all that. And it, I'm telling you, if you watch that and you think to yourself, well, this was 2014 when they were doing all this stuff, then, you know, you realize like we were kind of ahead of the game, not, not to toot our own horns, but I mean, it's not every day that a paranormal show that's debuting on TV gets covered in both the New York times and the national Enquirer. So you've got the, the pinnacle of journalism and stuff that you line a birdcage with, but we were in, we were in both. Yeah, it's great. Again, sounds like you got in at the cusp of the industry there as well. Like it started for you guys for the podcast and again for that show too. I, I know that show started um, when Nick left Ghost Adventures. Was there a reason behind him leaving it? Did he want to start the show by himself or did something else happen there? Do you know of? Or? I mean, all that I know, I mean, I don't know all the behind the scenes stuff that went, went on. I just know that the idea of Ghost Stalkers was something that Nick had always had in his, in his mind of not just how to produce a paranormal TV show, but kind of how he wanted to approach investigating. You know, he wanted to do the same thing to get past whether or not ghosts are real and start figuring out what it all means. So I think that it just kind of worked out perfectly that he had these two friends in John and Chad who had similar paths and also were kind of thinking the same thing. So I think it was, you know, he's a very sharp mind when it comes to TV and TV production. That's what he studied. That's what he knows. Uh, and, and I think that a big part of it was, you know, as he was kind of branching out, he did a show um, about casinos and, and security and casinos that he produced. So I think as he was kind of producing these other shows, he realized just because we can't use this concept for ghost adventures doesn't mean I couldn't create another ghost show. Yeah, it seemed weird timing that he just left ghost adventures at that time. Then he jumped to his own show. So I guess there was a gap there. People wondering what happened to um, Ghost Adventures and why he left. So I wasn't sure either. So. I, I still get those questions on Twitter all the time. And I just say, eh, I don't know. All, all I know is he told me when to report to work and I did. Oh, that's great that you have those connections and you're able to help him out with the show. And it was a good success, uh, successful show. So that's good. Yeah. He's just a great guy. I, I see him now and then. And, you know, we always say we're going to do more together. We just, neither one of us has the time, but he's just the, the person that he is on television, that like warm, caring person. That's exactly who he is. There's no, there's no uh, pretenses with him. And how did the other cast come to be on the show? Like I know, um, I forget her name now, but um, the one girl that works with him on the main show, uh, Wildman. Oh uh, yeah. He's had a few. So he worked with Katrina on, Katrina Weidman on um, Paranormal Lockdown, and then he was involved with the Ghosts of Shepherdstown show and uh, and Elizabeth Saint, uh, and and now you know he's do he does his show Death Walkers, which is you know mostly him. I haven't had a chance to to catch up on it all, but uh, you know that's kind of he always wanted to do that to be the solo person, kind of locked in experiencing all this stuff for themselves, and 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 I'm glad that now he's in a position where he can explore all of his ideas and not worry about whether or not it's going to get on TV because he realizes that to, to really move the paranormal question along, you have to kind of put TV aside because TV, TV production companies and networks have a very limited scope of what they think the paranormal is. And they're going to make you fit into that, to that box. Well, that's a good question to change here too, I guess is 
how does that work in your field? How have you found that? How have you found working with different networks and stuff? Has it been the same through t &E, through working with other TV networks? Has it been the same experience or how do they view paranormal? I, I can tell you that first of all, t &E is the best network I've ever worked with. Um, them and the production company that I worked with for the documentary on Tubi about Amityville. Those were some of my best experiences, but I've, I mean, everybody that I've worked with has been great. Uh, I think that what really bothered me is the the production companies were always awesome. My EPs were always awesome. The showrunners, everybody was always great to deal with and really kind of, and, and I would dealt with people who were both television experts and people who were paranormal experts. So one season that I worked on of, um, Ghost Asylum was produced by Erin Ryder. So, you know, she knows TV and the paranormal. And then some of the other folks that I worked with over the years, like I picked up little things from everybody. But the the one problem that I had is as we were working on Ghost Asylum, well, first working on Ghost Stalkers, the first episode revolved around a place that had a portal where we suspected there was a portal. And all of a sudden, the network freaked out about this, like, oh, my God, portals. Nobody's doing shows about portals. So they basically turned it into portal hunters, where they wanted them to go to all these places that might have a portal and bring in all this equipment that might detect a portal. And I'm just, like, rolling my eyes, saying, like, you have to understand that these things aren't everywhere. If they were everywhere, we would have a lot more problems on our hands. And so it got to the point where it turned into a drinking game. The people that watch Ghost Talkers would have a bottle of their favorite liquor and they would take a shot every time the word portal was mentioned and people were passing out in the second act of the show. So that's just how much it, it got to be like ridiculous with the portal stuff. So that was rough. And then when I worked on ghost asylum, the first season that I worked on that, I'm bringing them all these places and I would make what's called the Bible, the location Bible, where you're giving them all the information about the haunt, all the information about the history and also like what kind of places they should go to and investigate when they get there and maybe some suggestions for different experiments they can try. And I was getting notes back from the network that would say, well, this sounds like it's a pretty nasty ghost. Is it a demon? And I'm like, well, I don't really know if I believe in demons and it doesn't seem to be something that would be demonic. It just seems like a pissed off ghost. And they would say, no, are you sure it's not a demon? And I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm get what's going on here. You want everything to be a demon. And, uh, and it got to the point where, yeah, we were finding a lot of places that did have these dark entities. And I would say, you guys just go and investigate and do what you can. And I know those guys were probably, you know, kind of fed up with the D word too. Um, but they were finding some stuff that was pretty rough. So, you know, it, it's, it's up to the viewer to decide what they want to think that that is. But, uh, you know, for the most part, I think that they had a lot of success treating it like it was just another person. Well, what's one of your most weirdest experiences that you have had out filming on different locations. So the, the, one of the weirdest things that ever happened wasn't even paranormal related, but there was somebody when we were doing the Lizzie Borden episode of haunted towns. So it was all about fall river. And they went of course to the house where the murders happened, but they also went to the jail where she lived in the sheriff's home when she was incarcerated. And they went to the house that they were going to go to the house that she lived in after the murders, which is called Maplecroft. And at the time, Maplecroft was owned by a woman named Christy from Texas. And Christy was trying to redo this house that had fallen into disrepair for decades. And she was trying to bring it back to its you know, beautiful former self. And at the same time, she was also thinking she would open it up as a bed and breakfast, similar to the murder house. 
well, Fall River is a bunch of, you know, good old boy politics where if you don't know somebody and certainly somebody who's coming in from Texas, they're not going to grant all these special permits for. So she ended up deciding to sell. But when she still owned the house that we wanted to have her have it for filming for a couple of days. And she agreed. They worked out however much they were going to pay her for the location fee. She was all on board. She said she was going to be flying up from Texas to be there for when we filmed. So everybody comes and they're coming from the guys are in Tennessee. That's where they live. The production company is coming from, I don't know, New York, Hollywood, wherever they're coming from. And they are all going to converge on fall river and they're expecting to film at Maplecroft on this day. Well, on that day, the morning of that day, Christy called me and said, yeah, I, I changed my mind. I said, no, 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 you don't understand. They're in town. They're like going to be at your door in 10 minutes. Uh, yeah, no, I don't want to do it anymore. And because she didn't sign anything yet, we can't really hold her to it. So the guys are pulling up, standing there. And I guess she was up in the window kind of looking out, even though she said she wasn't there, that she was still in Texas. But, you know, they could see somebody pulling back the window and looking at. Them. And so we ended up filming my segment of the I was on camera for that episode. And we filmed my segment with me walking by outside Maplecroft and the Tennessee race chasers pulling up in the truck and hey, Hey, we know you, you know, a lot about fall river and Lizzie Borden, get in the truck and tell us some stuff because we couldn't get into the house. And sometimes it's, you know, things like that. Sometimes it's things like, you know, all of a sudden there's no electricity in the building or there's no, you know, they, we show up there and it's full of raccoons. Yeah. That's the life of filming. You never know what happens when you get there on the way there or whatever. So you always got to have a plan B and yeah. thankfully we did. We went to the church that Lizzie Borden used to attend. Oh, okay. So you're down there in the area where you live and it's a really active area right there's tons of hauntings there is there yeah. a lot of competition then for your type of work there so there's a lot of people that do it um but we have a pretty good like working relationship everybody that isn't i mean obviously drama is going to pop up fights are going to pop up and the bridgewater triangle certainly has a lot of drama surrounding it uh there's a it seems like every month there's a new documentary that pops up on youtube of somebody just stealing the work that aaron Cadu and manny Familare did when they made that documentary. So there's a lot of like that kind of stuff. And there's a lot of personal interpersonal drama, but for the most part, when it comes to the paranormal, we're all on the same team here, So it works out well. And some places are places that people go to again and again and again. And some places are, you know, we just get one shot at going in there, but we all kind of will share our research together. And we all, you know, we run into each other at all the conferences and out on the lecture circuit. So we all work well. Well, that's another question too, I guess. Um, we don't get that up here in Canada like you guys do down there. There's so many famous places that everybody goes to. Does it get tiring sometimes that you go to the same old place over and over? Or um, is there things that happen that you can check out more often? Or So you do get a little bit of fatigue at going, like, you know, I've been to the Lizzie Borden place over two dozen times uh, investigating there. And you start to, you do start to feel a little bit of uh, like, what is going, what else is going to happen here? Because, you know, it doesn't really progress in terms of activity. But what you're also doing at the same time is you're building a case study, which is something that's very important for science. And so you're going there again and again and again and, and documenting whether or not you have those interactions. Uh, but still, you can kind of get worn out with a place and say, um, I think these ghosts have given me all they're going to give me. And then other times you can go and realize like this, there's a place called the Emory Estate in Weymouth, Massachusetts, just outside of Boston, where. Uh, it's only been investigated this year. Nobody ever investigated before, 
But what we're finding is because their family members passed away in the early 2000s, they know what it is that we're doing. And they know what the equipment is that they were using. So when we go into a house in New England and you want to like put a mag light down and have them touch the mag light, you have to say things like, oh, can thou come over and toucheth this candle? Uh, you don't have to do that with the place like the Emory Estate because they recognize, oh, can you please turn on this flashlight for me so that I know you'll hear, uh, you know that you're here. And they understand the equipment and they've learned. Uh, so the week I went there for the first time. And had an experience. And then the second week after, you know, I'm, I'm on the radio talking about it. And the people who were investigating at that time got an EVP of it asking, you know, where's Weisberg? So they they learn and they certainly adapt. And those are the kinds of cases that I do like to go to again and again, because you can build up that case study. And that's the end goal too, right? Is to prove to scientifically that these exist and this is happening. So it's good to build that up. I used to think that that was the goal. I used to think that that, that I was going to be the person that found the evidence that showed the whole world that ghosts exist. And I realized over time that that's not my job. My job is to take people who think that they believe in it or want to believe in it, or maybe even don't want to believe in it and have them have their first experience and be there to kind of guide them through that when they get touched for the first time or they see a shadow person for the first time. Well, thank you, Tim, a lot for coming on. I appreciate you taking your time out to talk to us a bit about what you do and your background and all that. So thank you for joining us here on Haunting Live. Oh, thanks for having me. You're welcome. Miss one of our episodes? We play our episodes on Rhode Island Broadcasting, Wednesdays at 10 p.m. EST. Show your support for Haunting Live by supporting our broadcast partner, Rhode Island Broadcasting. Find them on YouTube. The paranormal can happen at any time, so that's why our Etsy store is always open. Get your paranormal items from cleansing to protection to attraction. All available now on our Etsy store. Search Haunting Live.